What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Passing Downs Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Rahul, and I'm here with my co-host, PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? And we're back with another episode with a little bit of a... A little bit of an old series with a new twist to it. But before I get into that, uh, just quick shout outs to our socials. Follow us on Twitter at PD34 and at Real Rahul Potty too. Uh, and also, if you guys have been enjoying the pod, if you guys have been liking the QB series we just finished off with all 32 QB rooms and want to listen to what we've got to say the rest of the season, we're going to be doing uh, multiple episodes weekly. So. Please like, follow, subscribe, do what you got to do on the platform you're using right now to social support. And anyways, today we're back with kind of the series we started off with, uh, our uh, recap series of every week. Obviously, with week one just passing, uh, there were a lot of games to talk about, and we're each taking six quarterbacks each to talk about here. Uh, But the new way we're doing it today, last year we focused a lot on just the good quarterback performances, the ones we found were, I guess, the best of the week. But I think this year it's a little bit more important to talk about everything. So we're doing a little bit something different with three up, three down. We're going to each talk about three good quarterbacks we felt had had good uh, performances this week and three bad ones. And with the bad ones, we're still focusing on quarterbacks, we think are relevant throughout the rest of the year and will maybe bounce back, maybe not, depending on how things go. Uh, and with that being said, I, we're going to get started with the, our three up quarterbacks. PD, you want to get get started with your first one? Yeah, so let's get started with the guy who got the most praise. Um, and I think deservingly so. He was very, mm-hmm. very much one of the best quarterbacks of the week. And that's Tua Tungvaluwa. Um Just reading the stat line for my charting. 50, 55% perfect pass rate, six evaded pressures with two of them responsible for and one early pocket bail, an average depth of target over 12 yards, and a points added per play number of 0.411, which is well into MVP territory. Um, this was an exceptional day from Tua. Um, just the basic stats, he puts up over 460, he puts up 466 yards and a number of touchdowns. And for me, the biggest takeaway when watching film from this one was the anticipation looks even better than last year. It was insane. Um, he did a better job, I think, reading leverages than I saw him last year when last year he was kind of more trust the receiver to win rather than seeing the defense and how they're positioned, where they're moving. Um, and I think that's taken a little bit of a step forward. Um, and obviously, um, the biggest thing that stood out to everyone else and obviously me as well um, is that his arm strength and body strength um, has been a giant ad for him in terms of playmaking out of structure. Um, we all obviously saw the third and 10 play to Tyree Kill where he climbed the pocket and launched down the right sideline late in the fourth quarter. Um, huge play, amazing play, one of the best throws of his career for sure. But um, another play that stood out to me was earlier in the game on a third and long um, where he's going full sprint to the left um, and torques it back um, on the left sideline for Braxton Berrios. Um, and that was, a, that was a great throw in a tight window. Um, I, I just I just was really, really impressed by his ability to play Mikado's structure. Um, this was already a guy we, we talked about as having a Pro Bowl-level season um, when the Pro Bowl votes were coming out. Um, and so if, he, if he's taking another step up, watch out for, for the sake of the league. Um, he has a chance to win MVP if this is what he's going to be looking like um, going forward. 
Um, I also do have to mention um, he does have a poorly placed ball for an INT um, and a couple of drop snaps, but um, he he will likely finish as my number two graded quarterback of the week, and it was it was truly incredible. Yeah, uh, honestly, I really have nothing else to say about Tua, to be honest, because he was pretty much lights out this game. And as someone who is wasn't the biggest Tua guy, uh, kind of coming into the season, even coming into last season, uh, I was really I he opened my eyes with this game, and I feel like the biggest thing for him, uh, to start the season has been health. I feel like this is easily the most healthy we've seen Tua since probably his Alabama days where before he had those initial injuries. And the reason I say that is because at that time, I felt like one of his positives coming into the league would be exactly this playmaking thing. Uh, Back then, that was something he definitely could do. Plays like we saw that Tyree kill 35-yard touchdown pass where he just climbed up in the pocket and while moving just launches it downfield. I feel like a little bit more injured Tua just wouldn't have been able to do that. And we've seen him have elite anticipation, elite accuracy since he's come in. But him being able to make those athletic plays that we saw him do in this game really puts him over the top for me, adds a complete different aspect to his game that makes him way more lethal. So I'm very excited to see him moving forward. Uh, And talking about one quarterback in Florida who absolutely performed moving to another one in Trevor Lawrence. And coming into this year, he did have massive expectations uh, because of that second half of the year, which we talked about were uh, at the end of last year, where he was very, very elite. And a lot of people had him making this huge jump this year, and he definitely did not disappoint. Uh, just looking at the box score, he had a pretty good day, was 24 for 32 passing, uh, very accurate there, 241 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, which I'll get into later, which I didn't think was his fault, and only two sacks. And I feel like just throughout the day, he was lights out. We saw early on uh, from the first drive, we saw kind of an insight into this new RPO heavy and a little bit play action based schemes that the Jags are looking to run this year. Because early on, we saw Lawrence kind of playing his style of offense, a lot of quick passes. And then mid middle of that drive, we see him come off on a play action uh, does a great job of avoiding 51 on the D-line and throws the absolute dime to the sideline to Calvin Ridley on the comeback while he was on the run. Uh, he also finishes that drive with an incredible playmaking type of throw to Ridley where it seems like he has no one open in the pocket and then he kind of scrambles to the left, lasers it to Ridley in the back of the end zone. And that's not something we see too much out of Lawrence making those plays outside of the pocket. But if he can move around and kind of force defenses to guard longer guys are gonna get open and he's gonna have those type of plays uh and it's something that i feel like earlier on in his career he would have maybe forced something from the pocket but he kind of just let things play to him there uh he continues that on the next drive where we see him fire a very uh tight coverage ball to ridley with two colts defenders who kind of run into each other there i feel like he was kind of lucky there with the result it resulting in a catch because both defenders run into each other but still a very well-placed ball Uh, It does end with the pick, which, like I said, was not his fault. It was completely Tank Bigsby's fault here. He kind of just pops it up straight to the defender. So unfortunate for him, but it is what it is. Uh, 
he does make up for that mistake from his teammate on the next drive because he starts off just firing an absolute laser of a pass to Calvin Ridley again, who turns and almost runs it down the sideline for a touchdown. And then he makes a beautiful fade, uh, fade pass to Zay Zones down the sideline, puts it right in the breadbasket for a, a great TD pass, and it kind of just shows the feel, touch, and also accuracy here from Lawrence. It's at a very high level. Uh, one thing I found very cool later in the in the next drive was Lawrence hits Zay Jones on a 15-yard pass, and it seems like a very normal pass, but if you look into it, it was actually tipped at the line. But Lawrence just delivers the ball with so much force and velocity that it was tipped at the line and literally didn't change path at all. It went straight to Zay Jones still. Uh, I was pretty impressed by that there. Uh, in the same drives, he also, on a third and six, has Zay Jones on an out and just doesn't see him and is forced up to, to step up in the pocket and does take a sack. Uh, just a rare mistake from him in this game, but it is what it is. Uh, he follows that up the next drive with an insane pass to Evan Ingram on a fade where Ingram had no separation, to be quite honest, but he puts it only where Ingram can go up and get it for a pretty huge game again. Uh, on the next relevant drive he has, we see Trevor Lawrence fumble, uh, but it is uh, kind of not his fault because the D-lineman runs his rep kind of immediately and Lawrence is hit from the blind side. Not much he can do there. Uh, and it was that play where Buckner does strip him and then it seems like a forward pass. So no one really knows if it was a fumble. Uh, it was kind of weird from the Bang Jaguars offense to not fall on it there, but it is what it is once again. Uh, the following drive, Trevor Lawrence goes three and out pretty quickly after a third down pass where I think he tries to force it past the defensive lineman. It's batted down. I feel like he could work uh, the holes between the defensive lineman there rather than trying to just force it over the top of one. He is 6'6", so it normally works for him, but uh, sometimes guys are just able to get their hands up. Uh, the next following drive after a huge Agnew punt return, Lawrence picks up a first scrambling and then another on a quick out to Kirk. He does hit Zay Jones on a huge fourth and two conversion, which was on a really tight window, which leads to a touchdown. Uh, on the last drive, I saw one of Lawrence's most impressive throws in the, of the day, in my opinion, where he's scrambling left kind of away from his throwing side. And across his body, he just delivers a dot to Zay Jones on the sideline, hits him on the money, shows off that crazy athleticism, but also like the flexibility and arm strength to make that throw uh, really showed out. So overall, huge, huge day from Trevor Lawrence. Incredibly aggressive, incredibly accurate. Uh, I think he did a great job of showcasing the athleticism he has. He looks even more like flexible and versatile in this new sort of role. We saw a little bit of playmaking from him as well and really putting himself for a big season this year. Yeah, agreed with everything you said there. I want to mention this um, one dropped interception that he has to Christian Kirk. Um, he's kind of targeting him on this play-action RPO slant glance type thing. Um, he just puts it well behind him, and the uh, defender has a chance to make a play. But everything else, dude, I'm, I'm so all in on Trevor Lawrence this year. His aggression, um, his arm talent, his ability to put the ball into tight windows is super-duper impressive. Um, yeah, I, I think he has a chance to win the MVP if he continues to play like this. Um, all right, so moving on to my next quarterback, um, and that's going to be Matthew Stafford. And this was my number one game of the week. It was ridiculous. Um, so Stafford only had a 
percent perfect pass rate in this one for me, which is solidly below average. But um, he's just kind of missing some easy throws that I, th- I think he can definitely make. Um, the crazy thing is, so uh, actually, let me get into some of the uh, other stats first. So eight evaded pressures with one pressure responsible for and one early pocket bill. So great pocket management there. Uh, average depth of target over 10 yards and a points added per play of 0.594, which is way, way above from Tua at 0.411. Um, and the reason for that mostly is because he had no turnover plays. Um, this game was an insane display of arm strength and anticipation. And consistently, um, he was just stuffing the ball into tight windows over the middle of the field. Um, honestly, there's there's some of the best throws that you see all year. Um, late in the game, there's a corner route to Puka Nakua um, in the fourth quarter where it's just an absolute seed. Um, throws it with great timing and it's on the money into a tight window. Um, and then maybe like, this is probably going to end up as one of my favorite throws of the year. Um, but there's this insane dig route uh, to 2 at well at about 20 yards down the field, like a really, really deep in dig route type thing. Um, he is, he's like not open, like at all. Um, there, there's three defenders in the area and just with his ability to anticipate um, that Tutu Atwell is going to come around the first defender um, and settle into that window. Um, he just throws it so early, and the arm strength and the velocity are so apparent on that throw. Um, it, it was just a ridiculous throw, and I think it's just um, made even better when you look at it from the, the all-22 angle. Um, it was just crazy, crazy throw, and there's a number of crazy throws in this game where, uh, like I mentioned, stuffing the ball into tight windows. No turnover-worthy plays. It could have been an even bigger day because uh, Van Jefferson dropped what could have been a deep, deep touchdown. Um, so, yeah, I was I was blown away by this game uh, from Stafford. Um, I think I've mentioned on this podcast, or maybe I've mentioned it to, to you privately, but um, I've said at some point that if Matthew Stafford didn't have the occasional moments where he just combusts and forgets that uh, playing quarterback in, in the NFL, uh, you have to manage the game a little bit. Um, yeah, I would consider him one of the very best quarterbacks in the game. Um, but unfortunately he does forget that that's a very important part of the game. So, um, you, you get high end outcome games like this, but, um, not consistently. And when they happen, th- these are, these are pretty incredible. Yeah. That last part is something I absolutely agree with you with. Uh, but before I even dive into that, even as someone who is also not the biggest fan of Stafford for that reason, because of usually he doesn't have these games where he's just lights out and doesn't put the ball in harm's way. But when he does, like you said, when he has these rare games where he doesn't give the ball to the other team, he looks absolutely incredible because pretty much every other facet of his game is built to be an elite quarterback. And he shows it in games like this. And more importantly to me is this year he's come out and seemed absolutely healthy too, kind of like to a where last year we saw him coming into the year, he was dealing with the elbow issue, especially early on in the year. He just didn't seem to have the same zip on the ball, same accuracy as a result of it. Uh, his old mechanics just seemed a little out of whack, and it just didn't seem like the Stafford we knew. And this year he comes in without Cooper Cup, obviously a much depleted uh, receiving core. His run game isn't really working out, and he plays lights out something I didn't expect at all I I thought Stafford was kind of going to take a downturn and 
it comes completely from that arm talent, man. Like you said, there were so many throws. I was never expected him to just be able to fit it in there, but they were the tightest of windows because the receivers weren't getting that much separation uh, with the Seahawks secondary being pretty good. And he still had just amazing synergy with guys like Tutu Atwell and Puka Nakua, guys who he hasn't played with a whole lot yet. These are both essentially their first seasons playing with Stafford, and he still seemed to have just a great connection with them. Uh, put up a really good performance. Uh, if I had to be honest, I don't expect this to last, not only because of obviously the turnovers coming back, but also because I just don't think he's going to have this sort of stuff every week, but still a great game to acknowledge. And moving on from one NFC West quarterback to another who, in my opinion, lit up the scene in his first game is Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy coming off a season where we saw him come in absolutely lights out last year midseason, have a crazy run with the Niners, went undefeated in that regular season. And then we obviously get to play the playoffs and he suffers a UCL injury. And coming into this year, a lot of people were concerned about how he's going to return from something like that. And not only that, he has the lofty expectations of a team that does want to win right now. And he didn't disappoint, in my opinion. He had an impressive box score going 19 for 29, 220 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, did have two sacks and two fumbles, which I'll talk about, which I did think were pretty big mistakes. But I would say he made up for it more than enough with many, many dots throughout this game. Uh, it starts off early where on uh, early fourth and one that the Niners decide to go for, he makes a decent pass to George Kittle uh, in the flat in stride. Uh, not necessarily a huge play, but if he doesn't make that play, could things could go bad with it being an early fourth and one. Uh, it does lead to a couple of good McCaffrey runs that put them inside the 10. And then Purdy just sits in the pocket and finds a wide open Brandon Ayuk for a touchdown over the middle of the field. A uh, very easy throw for Purdy to make, and he gets the job done, and you're going to see a lot of that Purdy to a wide-open Brandon Ayuk in this game. Uh, the next drive after a picket interception, we see Purdy again find a completely wide-open Brandon Ayuk on a slant route and hits him in stride, allows him to get uh, 10 to 15 yards after catch as well because of his ball placement. Uh, we do see a rare mistake from him in this game after, uh, right after, because he bails the pocket early, and the Steelers do get a lot of pressure on him, so he kind of could have tried to run out and make a play, but we see him just hit a check down on this third down and settle for a field goal. Uh, it's not necessarily a mistake, but kind of with another quarterback we'll talk about later, I would have liked to see him do a little bit more. Uh, the following drive, he does make up for that conservativeness on the last drive, though, because he hits Ayuk again right away on an in-route. This time a little bit less open, but Purdy fits it in, and a good window between uh, a corner and a linebacker on the in-route gets it right to Ayuk. He then makes a slightly behind throw to Debo, puts it a little bit behind him on a crosser, uh, but it was still uh, accurate enough for Debo to just pluck it out of the air, and it was out of the linebacker's range and gave Debo enough time to get a couple more yards after. He then drops probably my favorite throw of the day, just an absolute dime, dinks it in Tyuk on a fade, and it just went right to him. It didn't even look like a normal fade where it was a little bit of contest. It just drops right in Ayuk's stomach, and 
easily the best throw of the day. And it was kind of funny to point out that it was on Patrick Peterson, who obviously chirped at him during the week about getting interception. And clearly that doesn't happen. Uh, Purdy follows that next drive on a third and seven, where he does a fantastic job of avoiding uh, immediate interior pressure and steps up and finds Ayuk on the run uh, on a crossing route and puts it between two defenders, really threads the needle there. And just another great throw once again. Uh, in the red zone, we do see him fumble when sacked by TJ Watt. And I know, well, PD will get into it, I'm sure. But for me, what makes it a little bit less bad is he does make an insane play to wedge the ball kind of behind the back and keep it. And it does lead to the Niners score, but still very poor from him uh, fumbling that ball in the first place. Uh, later later in the game, on a second and gate, we see Minka Fitzpatrick literally get a free rush on Purdy. And he manages to do his classic little spin move away from Minka, turning his back to uh, the defense, which you're instructed not to do. But he somehow does it and pulls it off. And he still finds Debo across his body for a huge first down. Uh, and then later in the drive on a third and 15, we do see him miss Jennings open on an in route on the right side because he was kind of progressing left to right and just simply missed Jennings. Uh, he holds the ball a little bit too long and the pressure gets there, forced to throw it away. Another little mistake out of him. Uh, the next relevant drive we see out of him, because there was a huge C Christian McCaffrey touchdown run, uh, Purdy does float the ball over the linebackers right into the hands of an open uh, Brandon Ayuk on a deep in route. Another huge connection with him. Uh, amazing touch on that pass to kind of just dink it in in between two layers of defenders. Uh, but next, on a third and eight, we do see a defensive lineman break free towards Purdy, and he releases it as he's getting hit 20 yards to open Brandon Ayuk on a crosser once again. Just a fantastic job under pressure, not only on, in this play, but like kind of all day. Uh, but he does follow that uh, on kind of a poor note because that drive does end uh, quickly from TJ Watt, where I wouldn't say Purdy really had a chance to get anything done uh but he could have got rid of the ball but he does get sacked uh the next drive another kind of poor play from him because he's sacked by watt from the blind side he didn't really have a chance to avoid the sack but he absolutely cannot fumble and lose the ball there he definitely has to work on holding the ball uh the rest of the game we kind of see the niners go up a lot and run the clock out so not much happens. Purdy kind of ends the day there. Uh, he did make a ton of incredible throws all day, in my opinion. Did his job very, very well. He just really needs to fix ball security. And one thing I've talked about PD off camera, I'll bring up here. There was a dropped pick late in the first quarter, according to him, uh, on a pass to Kittle. I just felt like a drop pick was a little harsh there because it didn't seem like the defender had a great chance at getting to the ball. To me, it didn't look like it went through his hands or anything, and Kittle does end up dropping it after. Uh, so to me, because of that, the only mistakes here were the two fumbles, and he makes plenty of good throws to make this a good performance. Uh, but I'll let you talk about what you thought of him here. Yeah, so from a standpoint of like what I think of him going forward, I was also impressed uh, because – my takeaway is that he's not going to fumble every time TJ Watt hits him next time. But um, right. yeah, for, for the sake of this game, like the fact that he fumbled twice and then had an interception worthy pass, in my opinion, over the middle, um, that's going to detract from him and put him in the negative for this game specifically. But dude, like the, the Niners offense looks really, really good. Um, he is just putting the ball into tight windows, hitting guys open. Um, 
yeah, he he looks like a really impactful player, and I think he can he projects as a strong strong to, or solid to strong starter uh, going forward for the rest of this year. I, I I'm I'm very excited for what he can do this year. Um, all right, so let's move on to my final um, up performance of the week. It's actually going to be Patrick Mahomes, and that might be a surprise to you guys um, if you just looked at the box score um, or what the media was telling you this week. Um, but for me, Mahomes played pretty well. 57% perfect pass rate in this game, um, which is decently above average. Um, 13 evaded pressures, which is a gigantic number. Um, seven of his pressures, he was responsible for them. Six early pocket bills. So um, definitely not doing the greatest job managing the pressure in terms of um, inviting pressure when it's not really needed. Um, but he does make up for it with a ton of evaded pressure, so I'm not going to really be too mad about it. Um, and then beyond that, um, average depth of target really, really deep down the field, uh, nine plus yards. Um, he has, a, he has five drops in this game for 33 air, air yards. So his stats are going to be pretty deflated. Um, and for me, a 0.394 points added per play. Um, he, he made a few really impressive throws in this game two towards the end of the first half. Um, the first one to Marquez Valdez scantling over the middle of the field, um, incredible throw into a tight window third and 17 they're on their own 36 uh, drops back deep in the pocket fires it over the middle to Marcos Valdez Scantling on an inbreaker between three defenders um, very very impressive throw and then follows it up um, off the hurry up with a really really nice throw with really great anticipation for another 26 yards puts them in scoring position and they score a touchdown on the next play um, he does have a turnover the play that he's not punished for um, towards the end of the game with an incomplete pass um, on a third and 20 where he kind of doesn't see the defender, I think, or, or just kind of underthrows his intended target. Uh, but I, I'm not really going to be too mad about it. He had some horrific luck in this one um, with one of his uh, positive throws straight up getting returned for a pick six. So, um, yeah, pretty impressive performance from Mahomes. He looks um, very much like the player that he did last year, um, just – Kansas City really, really needs to put um, Travis Kelsey back on the field, and and the supporting cast will will look a lot better. I hope in the coming weeks. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think you kind of have to have not watched this game if you're gonna put um, anything other than a good, at least a good performance on Mahomes this week. And the Chiefs definitely do need to bring Travis Kelsey back because. Uh, his receiving core looked nothing less than atrocious. I don't think I've seen that many drops in a while from a single receiving core. I know Kadarius Tony had one of the worst receiving games of anybody in like the last decade or so. So this was definitely not on Mahomes for me. Uh, a lot of huge throws from him here. I would say the only interceptable throw in this game, in my opinion, was kind of late in the game. He needed to make something happen out of nothing. Uh, the pick six he had was pretty obviously Kadarius Tony's fault. Uh, I agree with that as well. Uh, really just an unfortunate situation for him because he was making a lot of plays, like you said. Did a, a fantastic job of evading pressure all day. Uh, I thought the Lions did a really good job of actually bringing it to him and making him uncomfortable, but he just kind of avoided it like it was nothing. And we know he's an amazing playmaker, so he was doing a good job with that too. It's just... Yeah, like you said, unlucky what happened with them. 
but going on from one quarterback was pretty unlucky with his kind of supporting cast to one that was very lucky. Uh, and my third quarterback of this good session is Jordan Love. And I was surprised to actually hear before the podcast that PD wasn't didn't think he was necessarily good or it was more of a middle-of-the-pack game for him. And maybe it is similar there for me too, but I think the biggest reason I wanted to put him here and wanted to show him love, I guess, is I straight up did not think Jordan Love was going to be a starter-level quarterback, and maybe I was too low uh, on him at the time. But from what I've seen in tape from college and even the few games uh, we saw in the NFL, I just thought there was – uh, a lot to be left on the field from him and there it was far from what I kind of wanted him to be and after sitting behind Rodgers for three seasons and finally getting the chance to take the helm I thought man I personally thought there was a reason he hadn't been on the field yet and that he just wasn't going to be that good but I thought he looked pretty good against this Bears team this past Sunday and put up a much better game than I expected uh, he put up a solid stat line of going 15 for 27. Uh, I think it could have that uh, completion percentage uh, will look a little bit better if you don't factor in the drops because he did have a couple there. 245 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and only one sack. Uh, and just overall, he was quite accurate, I'd say, aside from a couple of pretty blatant misses. But I feel like those are more just slips or mistakes that I do think he can fix up. And as we get into the game, I thought first drive after a early fourth down mishap from the Bears, Love takes advantage of very good field position early. On a third and 13, we see him hit uh, Dobbs on a quick slant on the money. And it was only like a six or seven yard slant, but Dobbs, because it's in such great position, is able to grab it and run, a, run that for a first down. Uh, then later on a third and goal on a play where it seemed to be no one open and the pocket kind of swarms him. You don't even see him on the screen for a second. Uh, he stays composed and kind of keeps his head up and just finds Dobbs in the back of the end zone after waiting there for a bit uh, and puts it in a place where Eddie Jackson couldn't even contest it in coverage, even though he was quite close. And it kind of just goes to show the poise and uh, kind of composure he has in the pocket right now. Uh, for a young quarterback, I found that pretty impressive. Uh, on the following drive, we see uh, Love make a little bit of a mistake here, in my opinion. On a third and 15, we see him kind of just quickly check it down to uh, Musgrave, despite having a clean pocket and linebackers right there to tackle Musgrave. I would have liked to see Love let the play develop a little bit more, uh, find someone downfield, down try to pick up a first down. Uh, this is kind of the jumpy nature I feel like he has where he kind of gets rid of the ball too quick, I feel like, and part of the reason I wasn't a huge fan of him before, but I do think he fixed it up a lot this game because I don't really see a mu much of it the rest of this game. Uh, following that, the next drive, we see one of the key drops that I was talking about, uh, where on a third and three, he kind of drops it right into Reed on the sideline. A great pass, in my opinion, on a comeback uh, with good touch, and it was just straight up dropped, but good pass nonetheless. Uh, next drive on a third and six, we see Love just sling the ball over the middle to a wide open Toure crossing the field. Kind of shows the arm talent because he just flicks it and the ball just zips down to the middle of the field right there. And though this was unsuccessful, we also on this drive see flashes of 
potentially him being a playmaker because on a third and six, he's forced stripe due to the pressure. And he does an incredible job of making a linebacker miss who had a direct shot at him and just makes a miss in the open field. He kind of pushes off a second guy and really shows athleticism there, makes a positive play out of there, which should have been a sack. And he does a good job of just looking downfield. Maybe she should have thrown the ball there, but there was really no one open. So uh, if he is able to de develop that part of his game, he could be really, really dangerous. Uh, on the following drive, we see him as the half is ending on a third and ten. Love does a great job of tricking the linebackers with his eyes, kind of holding them over the middle of the field. And then he hits uh, Reed, kind of going towards the right of them on a crosser. Hits him in stride, allows him to turn and grab another 15 on that play. Uh, not only was that an amazing throw from him, but the stuff before, which I talked about, him kind of holding the linebackers with the eyes. Stuff I didn't really think he'd be able to do this early on in his career, which is why I was kind of impressed by him. He does follow that, though, with a sack, which I thought was pretty bad. He holds the ball way too long and kind of just walks into a sack uh, situation with only 30 seconds left and one timeout. I think he just needs to be a lot more alert in that situation because they wasted that timeout and ends up no points in that drive. And he's just got to be a little bit more alert there. Uh, the f After the half, though, they do end up uh, gaining big yards on a cross-field screen to Jones. Uh, not much from Love on that drive, but he does show good flexibility and touch on that screen pass because he kind of just has to throw it across body, and he makes that look kind of easy. Uh, but the next drive is a lot more of Love. We see on a third and 12, he does an amazing job of feeling the pressure early and just leaves the pocket. And on that run, he lowers his shoulder and absolutely runs over a DB. Uh, just love to see... Love you uh, do that as a quarterback using his size, and then on the following fourth and three, he drops drops it uh, to a wide open Aaron Jones in the middle of the field on a Texas route, who just runs it upfield for a touchdown for another thirty yards. Great play there. The following drive also starts in Bears territory, and on a third and eight, we see another Love mistake here. Uh, but the Bears send a lot of pressure, and I think Love was a little uncomfortable. He throws it high to Reed on a comeback, and it nearly leads to a tip pick. Almost takes Reed's head off. Uh, he does need to work a little bit on bringing down those hospital passes. I don't, not gonna mention it as, again, but he does have a couple of those which he definitely has to fix up. Uh, as the fourth quarter starts, though, we see on a third and eight, Love loft the ball down the sideline to Reed, wide open for a huge game. Then we see, by far, in my opinion, the craziest play of the day, and we talked a little bit about this off-camera, too. To me, this is a huge positive because of the way he recovers, but Love, right after the snap, drops it and just picks it back up, and it leads to three defenders kind of breaking free to him pretty easily because of him dropping the ball, and then off his back foot, he, like, jumps makes a jump pass and for some reason Luke Musgrave is just blatantly wide open like no one within 20 yards of him on the defense and he throws tosses it to him for like a 40 yard gain and to me this was an amazing play a huge huge recovery from love and just amazing and he follows that with the textbook fade right to Dobbs uh down the left sideline just great ball placement and doesn't even give the defensive back a chance to get it 
Uh, the Packers then get a pick six, which kind of puts the game out of, out of reach for the Bears and essentially ends Love's day. But to me, this was an amazing start for the season. Uh, shows huge improvement from the little stints we've seen from him in previous years. And I know there were mistakes. There were a couple of accuracy issues here and there, but uh, there were a lot of positives there too. I didn't think he made too many mistakes. And I think he has a much better uh, season than I originally anticipated. Yeah, um, I would just say, like, for me, so the drop snap, like, he makes up for it with crazy throw off his back foot. That's not well-placed, but uh, impactful play. Um, so that's that play in total is going to be just, like, a small negative. Um, the thing that's bothering me about that game, for sure, is that he missed so many easy passes that were just, like, wide open. He's missing them by, like, 10 yards. Um, so... Yeah, that, that was the thing that held it back for me from calling it good, but I, I, could, I could see above average for sure. Um, all right, so let's get to less fun stuff um, and talk about some bad performances. Um, some of these are not like really something that you have to take away anything from because, um, spoiler, we're going to be talking about rookies here quite a bit. Um, and I'll start off with Bryce Young. Um, so my favorite quarterback from this draft class, um, and he did not look good um, in totality for today or for, for the day, um, started off early with a fumbled exchange on a read option type thing. Um, so that immediately just made his day a little bit worse. Um, then he throws a pretty bad interception towards the end of the first quarter. I understand his thinking on this one, but he just stared the route down and it was like really late. Um, and Jesse Bates had a great chance to make a play on that ball. Um, puts together a nice string of plays um, through the second and third quarter. Doesn't really make many mistakes. And then at the end of the third towards the middle of the third quarter. Um, there's another nasty interception to Jesse Bates. This time um, he tries to look off Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates doesn't move. And um, yeah, that's the end of that story. Um, the fourth quarter was pretty alarming. Um, so early on in the fourth quarter, Bryce makes what should have been his best pass of the day. Um, but Terrace Marshall stops on the route um, deep down the field. Um, so I, I couldn't give that a positive play because you don't really know the result. But um, the traje- trajectory of the ball looked pretty good. Um, and then he puts – and then he has um, – in a string of 12 passing plays, he has five throwaways, which was pretty crazy to see. Um, it was just like the rhythm of the offense just totally went out of whack. Um, and it, it makes sense when you consider the health of the receivers um, with DJ Tark being injured, Adam Thielen being not only washed but also dealing with an injury in the preseason – um, and Terrace Marshall basically assuming that wide receiver one role. It's just not functional stuff for an NFL offense. Um, so just hopefully DJ Chark can get healthy. Um, as for the stats for this one, um, Bryce finished with a measly .006 points added per play, which is like a tenth as good as Matthew Stafford's game. Um, he also was keeping the ball close to the line of scrimmage with about 6.4 um, intended air yards per pass attempt or average at the target. Um, 11 evaded pressures, which was very good. Um, six pressures responsible for and four early pocket bills. So, so um, he is creating some of his own pressure, kind of more in the Mahomes mold than uh, like a Matthew Stafford mold. But uh, I would like to see him kind of clean that up in terms of pressure management. Um, I think traits wise, like look going forward, it looked fine. I would just like to see him like next week, not throw an interception that was as ugly as the two that he threw. Um, and just kind of general ball security things. Um, his anticipation looked really good in, in spurts. Um, his placement looked very, very good. Um, his pocket stickiness looked pretty bad towards the end of the game. I thought, 
Um, so that's maybe an area that will grow um, if DJ Chark is out there um, and he has actual options to throw to. Um, but yeah, just kind of a mixed bag for moving forward. I would like to see him um, grow in terms of what he's seeing on the field. And that's just like a normal rookie progression. So um, not not selling any Bryce Young stock, but yeah, he played poorly, poorly on Sunday. Yeah, it's really a shame to see like someone as young and talented and as Bryce Young come into a team like the Panthers, who kind of made no effort at this point in time to put enough weapons around him to succeed. And maybe that was kind of the goal here for them this season. Let Bryce Young have a season, not be a good team, and use high draft picks or the cap space they have in the offseason to get him talent. But man, it is really going to hinder his development because... It's really, really hard already to come in and become an NFL quarterback. But when you have all your receivers have no separation, you got to fit everything to a tight window or just force it in. It's going to be tough. But one thing that I noticed at a young that wasn't really mentioned that I feel like could be an issue. I feel like he shakes it out of it soon, but I did notice it watching him is he did feel I did feel like he was playing a little bit scared, almost not really as fearless as he did at Alabama. You did mention those five or something throwaways in a row. I almost felt like if it wasn't perfect for him, he just wasn't taking the chance. He wasn't making those plays. And I feel like with this Panthers team, when you really don't have any expectations to be good, you don't have a good offense around him, I would like him to just kind of let it rip, do what he needs to do in terms of throwing the ball to kind of figure things out for him. When he's taking so many conservative approaches, it's a little bit not concerning, but annoying for me because I feel I know he can do a lot more. Uh, And another thing that I don't know if it'll be a problem long term because it is a little bit different uh, nowadays. But one thing I did see uh, impact him a little bit was his size. And I know a lot of people were concerned about him uh, early in his career, just throughout in his career, to be honest if that's going to be an issue and a reason that we haven't seen a small quarterback like that be successful as a primary pocket passer in a while is because it's really hard to do so. And I feel like he's got elite anticipation. Obviously he's got great accuracy, but sometimes when you're in the pocket and you're just able to see over the other guys, you're able to make certain passes that guys like Bryce young simply can't. And when he's also not playmaking outside the pocket, I feel like it really limits what he can do with how limited of vision he has. And I think that's also contributed to this Panthers offense just not being really good. Uh, But both of those issues, I feel like, are kind of just a rookie issue he's dealing with now. I think he's got enough talent to figure it out. Uh, But just something I noticed. And going from a rookie quarterback who's got problems with his size to someone who definitely does not in Anthony Richardson, uh, he's going to be my first bad quarterback of the week. And similar disclaimer to Bryce Young, I absolutely am not saying he was bad, bad. He's going to be bad. I also don't even think this is a bad rookie debut. I thought he was pretty good for his debut, uh, pretty easily the best uh, of the three rookie quarterbacks, in my opinion. And I just think there's definitely a lot to work on, but he did show flashes, which I will mention. And I really, I do really do like him looking forward. And that's kind of why I wanted to fit him in here to talk about. 
Uh, and we're talking about this uh, Arich who has an early test against a pretty good Jags team here. And he still ends up with a pretty decent box score. He was 24 for 37. You would maybe like a little bit better completion percentage and accuracy, but it's fine for his first game. 223 yards, a touchdown, an interception, but four sacks. Uh, but he does contribute another 40 yards and a touchdown on the ground, which is going to keep him afloat and make him a little bit better than these other rookie quarterbacks just by default because he is already an elite rusher. Uh, things do start off pretty bad, though, as in his first test on a third and long, I feel like he has a tight end wide open in the flat who could pretty easily get the first, but he simply doesn't see it, and he tucks the ball and tries to leave the pocket, but he waits way too long, he gets sacked from behind, and it is a little bit of a problem because he did have a pretty wide open guy, uh, he was trying to do a little bit too much looking downfield when he just needed to pick up the first there. Uh, but it is rookie mistakes. It is what it is. We see a much better look of what we uh, Steichen's offense with A. Rich will look this season in the next drive. We saw his flexibility and ability to kind of level change his arm on a nice screen pass that he, under pressure. Uh, we also saw him in the open field because they ran a couple of read options. One, he broke to the side, and we saw kind of the athleticism in action. He does also make a really, really good tight window slam pass to Paris Campbell that I feel like very QBs in this league can make, to be honest. It's just elite-level arm talent that you really can't teach. And he finishes with the easy QB draw uh, for a touchdown. Shows how dynamic he can be. Because to be honest, that QB draw was not an easy look. He didn't have a hole. But he just absolutely bursts through. Just runs over the linebacker there trying to grab him. And just walks in for an easy touchdown. Uh, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Because it's something that he's easily one of the best at in the league already. Uh, the next drive, we do see him stuffed on a QB sneak there, a QB sneak, and to me, he definitely needs to be more aggressive there with his massive size. There's really no reason that should be happened, happening, and we see uh, on the following drive, on a fourth down, he has a pass batted down to him, and in my opinion, it's because uh, he stares down the receiver. It's pretty obvious where he wants to go. And I think the D-lineman sees it kind of adjust his way to block that path. And he still stays uh, throwing there. Uh, he's definitely got to get better at looking around to the field, not making it obvious where he's trying to go. Uh, the next drive, though, he does improve a little bit. Uh, we see him make a great pass up the seam uh, to an open ogle tree. Kind of shows his arm strength there, too, because he's able to just laser it there. Uh his running back does fumble later on that drive, though, so a little bit unfortunate for him. He then follows that up with two very quick dimes to Pittman in very, very tight windows. Very tough throws, in my opinion, and shows the quick release he has. He's just able to throw the ball as soon as he gets it, and it just launches downfield 10 yards. Uh, he does follow that, though, with a pretty bad, bad sack that backs them up big time and is bailed in the stats sheet by uh, Michael Pittman, wide receiver screen, to for a touchdown. Uh, uh, on the following drive, though, there's a third and 11, and Richardson once again holds the ball way too long and is nearly sacked, gets the ball off to his checkdown option there, but it really doesn't matter. He does need a lot better pocket awareness. Uh, does a good job of holding on to the ball on the strong side, but I really don't feel like he's got the full uh, 
kind of awareness and ability to be comfortable in the pocket yet. He's a little bit jumpy. I think it's because in college he's been able to get away with it because he's so athletic and can just run away from people. Uh, but it's not going to work anymore, and he's got to improve there. Uh, the next relevant drive he has on a third and 13, we see Richardson have a wide open, uh, I don't know who it is, but number 83 over the middle of the field, and he just misses him in the dirt. Kind of goes to show the accuracy issues that people worried about that he kind of does have. Uh, he has another play like that later where I think he just hears footsteps on a third and eight because there is a blitzing DB. Uh, but to be honest, he isn't pressuring him enough to make a big difference. And he has a wide open Campbell for a first and he just throws the ball way too high and misses it. He has to just stay firm with his throwing motion and just make that throw. And the, the, the mistake that really just cost them this game here and kind of ends it for them is he throws a very costly pick on a huge underthrow. He has a wide open receiver on the sideline and just underthrows it massively. And it's in a pretty big moment. Only five minutes to go in this game. They're down three. They absolutely have a chance to come back and win this or and just kind of put his team on a chance to score. And he gives the ball away. On the final drive of his game, he does uh, lead kind of a good drive. Jaguars have sagged off a bit, so he was able to get a lot of quick dink and dunks to get downfield. He does have an insane fourth and five run where he was hit like three yards before the yard to gain, and he just churns his feet and is able to run over two defenders and get a first. But that does come with the cost, and it's downside because he tries it the very next play, and he ends up getting hurt, taking taken out of the game, and... The reason I mentioned that is Anthony Richardson obviously has immense talent, is going to use his size to be good because that is something that is a huge advantage to him that automatically puts him in a better situation than most other young quarterbacks in this league. But on that play, he was nowhere near the yard to gain. He did not have to take the hit. He just needs to slide, and he ke- if he keeps playing this way, he's going to get himself injured time and time again, and we just don't want that to happen to a quarterback of his talent because it could easily derail a career. So definitely something he needs to look into, but a lot of flashes I saw out of him. His athletic presence was definitely, definitely felt. He's already a huge rushing threat, already huge uh, quick throw uh, threat over the middle of the field. He just needs to clean up the mistakes and get better in the pocket. Yeah, we talked about this before the draft, but with Richardson, for me, high-floor quarterback, um, I had concerns about his ceiling just because of the consistency of the ball placement um, and some decision-making hiccups where, like, he's still young, so that's uh, a wide range of outcomes for me with the decision-making. But, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Just the accuracy. Um, he was he was reasonably accurate in this game. Just um, probably want to see it again in a larger sample. Um but yeah, I also did think that he looked like he very much belonged on the field and um, there's a path to constructing an offense around him uh, right away. Um, yeah. All right, so let's move on to the last rookie quarterback. He's also going to be in the bad. Um, he's sandwiched in between Bryce Young and um, Anthony Richardson, but um, I felt worse about him moving forward for based on this performance um, than all of them. Um, the Texans gave up five sacks in total in this game. And I had every single one of them <laughs> charged to Stroud with significant blame. Um, he just did not handle pressure well at all in this game. Um, eight evaded pressures with nine pressures responsible for and five sacks responsible for. That's just horrendous stuff. Um, the other numbers from this game, um, he was kind of trying to push the ball down the field, 
um, schematically, they weren't really helping him by calling screen after screen. Um, I just hated watching this game, man. Um, screen after screen, um, keeping the ball close to the line of scrimmage when this guy has really strong arm talent um, with touch and ability to weight the ball. It's just misuse of um, his abilities. Um, in terms of the accuracy, 23 for 39 perfect pass rate. That gives him uh, 59% perfect pass rate, which is very good. But maybe if you adjust for like him throwing a ton of screens, um, you get it to closer to average. Um, the plays that I want to mention in this game, so 11-yard sack, 11-yard sack, 11-yard sack, 9-yard um, sack, 8-yard sack. These are gigantic losses. Um, and most of these came from CJ Stroud just not recognizing that he can't outrun the defender. Um, and so, like, he instead of throwing it away, he's just eating 10-yard losses on average for five plays and just destroying um, the rhythm of the Texans' offense for those plays. Um, so that was really rough. Um, he also um, has a fumble, a sack fumble. Um, I, I want to be a little less critical of that because um, he was kind of blindsided, but um, really do have to hang on to the football there. Um, there's another play in this game where um, – he was running full sprint to the left um, on out of structure play, made a defender miss in the pocket, which was cool. Um, and then just kind of launched it deep into the middle of the field, um, which is just a big no-no, um, unless your receiver is just wide open. Um, and it was not wide open. It was in a sea of defenders with three defenders there. Uh, one guy got both hands of the ball, so that was a turnover-worthy play. Big downgrade there. Um, I have to mention some positive stuff. Um, his arm talent, his ability to layer throws, the touch, the accuracy, just naturally good footwork, um, flashes of anticipation, those were all on display. Um, just like I mentioned pre-draft, um, the range of outcomes here is um, concerningly wide to me just because of the way he handles pressure. Like I said, five sacks responsible for um, a nasty turnover-worthy play where he was running full sprints and left out of structure. Um, just these decision-making hiccups where he just doesn't properly feel um, how much athleticism he really has. Um, those are the things that came back to bite him in this game. And it leave me concerned going forward. Um, the offensive structure as well, just so, so many screens, um, screens to players who are not very good. Um, the offensive line injuries, just um, not a good situation at all. Um, I would say among the situations of these three rookie quarterbacks, um, Bryce Young right now is, is playing with a horrible situation because of receiver injuries. But uh, behind that, I would say CJ Stroud. Um, there's just nothing there. Rookie play caller, bunch of rookies along the team, um, along the offense, a ton of injuries on the offensive line. The receiver's not good. So, yeah, tough situation to evaluate, but I, I just think that he could definitely do a better job avoiding these negatives. Yeah, to be honest, I felt like Stroud played a lot more like what I expected out of Anthony Richardson, to be honest. Uh, in the sense that it was very apparent that Stroud really, really benefited from the inherent advantage he had being at Ohio State with the Ohio State offensive line. Uh, one of the biggest thing we were worried about with him coming into the league was how he was going to manage pressure because every time we did see that in college, he had a couple of rough games. And it really showed in this one, like you said, with all the sacks. And it wasn't just like, typical bad sacks like he was backing his team further and further trying to do too much and he's just not like you said that athletic of a guy to be able to do that sort of thing uh to me the biggest concern is kind of a culmination of the things you were saying 
uh, with just the offense in general being not built around how C.J. Stroud plays football. I feel like they're trying to take this guy who we see is clearly his strengths are his accuracy is amazing. It's clear he's played quarterback for a very long time because his touch, his feel to make those like kind of loft throws that just kind of dink in. He's just very accurate at those sort of things. He's got the anticipation of a quarter of a typical quarterback and he's just good at sitting in the pocket and dicing defenses that way. And the way this Texans team's kind of trying to use him is just get rid of the ball fast, uh very screen heavy, very a lot of maybe even RPOs and uh they're not really using the play action as much as I would have liked because CJ Stroud was also very good with that in college. It's just not a system built around Stroud and it's very weird considering where they got him. They also don't have, like you said, the personnel around him nearly enough to support him. So that was the biggest concern for me in terms of him going forward. I also think of the three quarterbacks right now. He doesn't necessarily look like he has the best traits, uh, but I also agree that he looked better than Young, worse than Stroud. I also I thought he looked firmly better than uh, Young, uh, just purely because he kind of looked quicker, like he belonged there, even though he was making a lot of classic rookie mistakes. I also saw a lot of throws out of him that were just like, okay, I can see him being a guy in this league long term, because there were a lot of throws that like you mentioned, were very, very good like that, which I just didn't see out of Young. And I do think that is because Young just hasn't really had the opportunity to, but Stroud did do it here. So uh, a little bit of credit for him for that. But moving forward, I'm also not a little bit concerned, or I am a little bit concerned about how he's going to look the rest of this year. Uh, But moving on from Stroud to his opponent in this matchup, who also did not look good at all, was Lamar. And honestly, it was a little bit worrying because after two seasons of him kind of getting his season ended early by injury, a completely new offensive steam, and him being obviously a highly loved quarterback, there was a lot of expectations of him to come in with this kind of new and improved Ravens offense and light it up against a Texans offense or Texans defense to which to be quite frank is pretty bad or expected to be pretty bad at least and he was kind of expected to just hit the ground running but with with these elite QB expectations this season if you look at the score it would seem like he hit it but unfortunately he really really did not Uh, it was definitely not the case and you could even see from the box score he was 17 for 22 which I guess looks fine but only 169 yards, a pick, two fumbles, which I'll get into. They were atrocious, and four sacks. Uh, He also didn't add much more in the run game with only 38 yards, which uh, for him, that's really not enough when we we see how how bad of a passer he was in this game. And it just kind of goes... makes me question like what went wrong and then watching the game it was very apparent what went wrong uh it started out very rough on his first third and two where I feel like Lamar had multiple options to get rid of the ball for first downs he had both Zay Flowers open on a comeback on the left side and it looked like he had a, a Isaiah Likely on a zig route underneath on the right side and Lamar just waited way too long to make a decision, uh, waits way too long to maneuver in the pocket and just gets caught up from behind and gets tossed backwards for a sack. And one thing we saw last year him develop is him being able to use his athleticism to be able to stay longer in the pocket, 
make those throws. And for whatever reason in this this game, uh, especially in this play too, his pocket awareness just really, really went down and it led to a couple of plays like this. Uh, on these plays where he faces a lot of pressure, he just needs to make a quicker decision rather than hold on to the ball that long, which is a problem he's faced for a while. The next relevant drive he has, we see after going downfield off the back of a strong run game and a couple of good screen passes, Lamar is faced with a third and six in the red zone. And again, under pressure, he does not make his reads. He's really only looking to his A flowers underneath, who was very, very covered. Uh, and I felt like he had Bateman op- open downfield. He forces a pass to Flowers while being hit, and he gives the defender the easiest interception of his life. Uh, I'm not sure why Lamar was forcing the ball there. It was very, very clearly not open, and just a really, really start to this game for a rough start to this game for him. Uh, he does start to heat up a little bit on the next drive. Uh, on a third down in Texans territory, we see him hit a deep hole shot down the left sideline to Zay Flowers. Just before the safety gets there, he kind of just whips it the ball sidearm downfield, showing off that arm strength and showing that he still does have that arm flexibility to make all those crazy plays that we've seen him do. And it's kind of gone down recently, but he is still very capable of that. Uh, on the next drive, we see early in the drive, a classic Lamar Jackson magical type of play where we see him spin off a defensive lineman in the pocket, avoid another defensive lineman, and then juke out a linebacker in the open field, scramble and pick up like 15. And I did like this play. It was a nice highlight play, but as great as it was, he did miss a wide open Odell for first down before he made that play. And he took a hit which honestly at this point in his career is just not sustainable. I mean, we've seen him two years in a row go out. He just can't be taking hits like that. And he should have just made the throw and got the first that way. Uh, Then on a third and nine, the Texans send a zero blitz and Lamar doesn't have any time. He just throws it away. But I was a little surprised. It was a very, very obvious all-out blitz, and Lamar made no checks to add other blocking. He added, uh, made no checks for a hot route and just had everyone go downfield and just throws it away immediately. And when he's he reached this caliber of quarterback where he's an elite guy, uh, I kind of do expect him to make a couple of those uh, at-the-line changes to at least make something out of that play there. And he doesn't and it leads to Houston absolutely clamping him up for that entire first half. Uh his next relevant drive though in the second half of play action, we see Lamar do a good job of stepping up in the pocket and he delivers an absolute strike to Zay Flowers on the sideline for like 25 yards. He follows that with another uh great pass where he kind of just stands tall in the pocket, hits Bateman over the middle of the field, puts the ball right over the linebacker's head so uh, and that leads to a touchdown. So one good drive from him here, and that was kind of the end of it, because the next one, after getting fantastic field position in Texans territory, we see Jackson step up in the pocket and take off, but this man was holding the ball like a candy bar in his hand, just floating it around in the air, and it just gets poked out and punched out of his hands, and it was a horrible fumble, one of the worst I've seen, because he very easily could have just tucked the ball, and bro just had it held in his hand. Uh, and is very, very lucky for the ball to just bounce back to one of his uh, own uh, teammates. And he follows that disaster class of a play with arguably an even worse fumble because he gets the snap and just straight up drops it. And 
the uh, uh, the running back next to him accidentally kicks the ball, and this time he doesn't end up being as lucky. The ball goes right to the Texans, but just another terrible, terrible play, and it really confuses me why this late in Lamar's career we're still talking about this fumbling problem that he's had kind of since the start. And kind of one thing I noticed that by this point in the game, the Ravens had completely abandoned uh, this new style of offense they wanted to play. They've resorted to primarily just running the ball and throwing screens because they're up two scores. And they honestly, it seemed like they lost some trust in Lamar, which is not a good sign early on, considering they wanted to come into this year and just like light it up in an air raid type of offense. Uh, on a third and 10, though, they do give Lamar one more chance to pass the ball, and he disappoints again because he once again has a open Rashad Bateman and on the seam, and he holds the ball too long and is sacked from behind again. Uh, after a Texans fumbled, he does get the ball back one last time. He gets it in good field position, and we see a rare dime from Lamar in this game to Odell. There was a DB draped all over him and a safety approaching, and he just kind of drops it in the breadbasket for Odell on the outside shoulder for a huge game. Showed that he still has that elite touch, shows that the accuracy has definitely improved, but it's clearly not enough because it's not been very consistent in this game. Uh, he does then do take another bad sack, though, to take them out of a reasonable goal and distance range, and it ends up ending in a field goal, and booze from the home crowd on a uh, after a third down screen pass uh, on a pretty long third and goal because they were expecting a lot more out of this high-powered offense and they, that just didn't happen and it ends a very awful day from uh, Lamar Jackson not really looking anything like what we saw out of him last year and a little bit weird considering how much they expected uh, coming into the season. Yeah, dude, like it was, it was that, that fumble where um, the Ravens recovered it, man. Just trying to do like a Euro step or a step through move to the basket or something like that with the football. It's like, it was just, it was just horrendous to watch. Um, in terms of long term takeaways, it was always going to be um, a process for him to adjust to this new style of offense. And I think that um, his discomfort in the pocket was probably the biggest thing that stood out to me. Um, obviously, Ravens offensive line not healthy right now. Um, but um, I think that they put up a, like a decent pass blocking effort overall and Lamar was just not handling it very well. So um, yeah, th that's definitely something that has to improve going forward. If you're going to run an offense that operates more through the pocket for Lamar than it usually does. Um, but we did raise these concerns in the off season. Like this new style of offense is not something that he's done in a long time um, at the NFL level. Um, an offense like the one that he ran at Louisville is less functional because the differences in accuracy become a lot more noticeable at the NFL level where timing is uh, more difficult to master, um, where windows are tighter and, and all that good stuff. So um, yeah, I, I, I wonder if they shift the offense back to more of Lamar's strengths. Um, I, I wondered on, on that preview podcast for the season, if they would shift the offense to, more towards the large strengths um, down the stretch of the year. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I'm kind of intrigued. Um, that down to OBJ was awesome. It was uh, a big pass to make up for his day. It kind of made it closer to average um, than the worst performance of the week, which it was up to that point. But um, yeah, up and down day for Lamar for sure. Okay. Um, speaking of up and down days, 
let's talk about Josh Allen. Um, and this was a few ups and um, a lot of downs. Um, Josh Allen in this game against the Jets, absolutely horrendous. There's there's no way to, to sugarcoat that. Um, he has five turnover-worthy plays, technically six. Um, yes, six turnover-worthy plays in technicality because – um, on the play that he fumbled, he dropped the snap first and then recovered it and then fumbled again. So um, for that for that play, I gave him two turnover-worthy plays. Um, he also has a drop pick in this one, which was his worst interceptable pass of the day where he just lost sight of the, a linebacker. Um, the interceptions that he t- threw, the first two ones, um, just doesn't, doesn't look for the safety on the backside when he's launching down the field. Um, and then the last intercept, interception that he threw, there's just a dude – there the whole time horrible interception um to be to be totally fair to him he made a few really impressive throws there's one where he's sprinting full speed to the sideline and just fires it into a tight window to Stefan Diggs for the touchdown really impressive throw um there's also another one to Gabe Davis where he just stuffs the ball in between three defenders um for a big chunk on an intermediate pass um near the right side um he missed a few passes um that I thought he could have made um, and I, I did not like the way that they were running offense. So this new look Bills offense, like we mentioned, um, the Ravens have a new look offense. The Bills also do um, using their tight ends more, throwing to their running backs. I just did not like the plays where they targeted James Cook, man. Um, James Cook is not um, a guy who's going to take a pass that's like five yards past the line of, or behind the line of scrimmage and like turn it into eight yard gains. He's not Debo Samuel. Like this is not like an efficient way to run offense in the long term, in my opinion. Um, I, I thought targeting the tight ends was okay because they were like close to the first down mark. Um, so it would be interesting to use that as the counter. Um, but like, if you don't, if you don't have the deep ball as a part of the game plan for Josh Allen consistently, um, these are kind of the, some of the hiccups that are going to happen schematically. Obviously, I'm not excusing his performance; he played horrible. Uh, but I would like to see that be a consistent part of the Bills' offense rather than a counter punch um, when you have like n- no way to say this other than to just say it. like one of the great deep ball throwers in the history of the NFL. Um, I, I would want you to use that. Um, and so I, I would like to see those kinds of changes from the Bills offense. Um, I like the RPO ideas, um, like some of those types of things. Um, I haven't mentioned the statistics yet for Josh Allen, so I'll get into those right now. Um, seven plus intended air yards down the field. So he was, pushing it um, relative to the way that they were calling offense. Um, in terms of his perfect pass rate, he has 22 perfect passes um, out of his 39 um, eligible passes out of the ones they threw. So um, slightly above average accuracy, uh, not the greatest thing when you consider how many screens that they were throwing. Um, like I mentioned, six turnover-worthy plays, um, five if you want to count the two and one as just one. Um, and then a number of explosive plays down the field that are going to tr- kind of help to make up for it. Oh, one thing I didn't mention um, in this little rant that I'm going on, um, Josh Allen's pressure management was really, really horrendous in this game. Um, seven evaded pressures, but 11 pressures responsible for 11 early pocket bails, five sacks responsible for just like I, I talked about CJ Stroud having bad pocket management. Uh, this is Josh Allen just having a horror show in terms of the way that he managed the pocket. It was just horrible he was just running into sacks um the point where i realized what where this game was long gone was where he had five yards to go on a third down and tried to hurdle three defenders to try to get the first down 
Um, yeah, Josh Allen, very bad game. Um, he's due for like one or two of these a year, so I'm not really panicking. But um, to see it in week one was was pretty unfortunate. Man, I just don't know what to say about this game because these are the games out of Allen that just make me question, like, what are you thinking? Like, it almost felt like he just took some sort of drug before this game because he was nowhere near, like, the Josh Allen we know. And it's always surprising to see games like this because it's not like he'll completely shut off and be terrible throughout because he, like you mentioned, had a ton of incredible throws. He had a lot of big-time throws that almost until that, like, third, fourth quarter where mistakes really piled up, for a while, it wasn't even looking like that bad of a game because of how many great passes he makes. It was kind of just like, oh, this is what Josh Allen does. He throws a lot of turnovers. It is what it is. But that second half, things just piled on one after another. It just felt like every other play, he was getting ta- either tossed by a, defensive, a Jets defensive lineman or you had that play where he picks up, fumbles the ball, picks it up, somehow manages to fumble again. A couple of those picks he threw, man, it was just straight into defender's arms. I know there was one where he just was trying to target Diggs in double coverage, and it was just the most obvious pick of all time. It was just bonehead play after bonehead play, like, throughout that second half especially, even a bunch of those in that first half. And to be quite frank, I don't think the Jets had any business being in that game, let alone winning the game, uh, because losing Aaron Rodgers, they just threw Zach Wilson in there and it didn't look like he knew to do how to do anything. They were just running halfback dives and screens all game. And the only reason the Jets ended up coming away with this one was because of all these Allen mistakes piling up over and over again. And like Petey mentioned, we do have a couple of these Allen games like throughout the year. It is what it is. But to me, it's just like, I don't understand what goes through his head to have these games because I know even on that given day, Allen is capable of not making those mistakes. But when I feel like when one happens and he's down a little bit, he kind of gets too like happy to or make that comeback happen. And he tries to do a bit too much. He forces balls where they don't need to go. He tries to like you said, do things like hurdle people with five yards to gain. He's just like trying to be extra to make up for the mistakes he's done prior. And it just piles onto himself. And you see like towards the end of the game, you just see Josh Allen a little bit kind of like pissed off and like a little bit down and he needs like digs to kind of pick him up, that sort of thing. I just think he gets in his head a bit too much. And that's why we get these games. Uh, but in terms of long-term, yeah, I'm also not worried. Worried. I'm sure Allen's going to come back and be an uh, elite-level starter by probably even this week when he plays against a pretty bad Raiders defense. Uh, but as far as looking into the offense moving forward, I think I disagree with you a little bit on how they're running offense. I think they need a little bit of a mix because I do agree that Allen, obviously, his biggest attributes are being able to just launch balls downfield, make massive plays and this kind of dink and dunk offense we saw out of them against the Jets maybe was kind of a product of uh, them obviously having a fantastic secondary and the Bills outside of Diggs not really getting a whole lot of separation but they did kind of look to lean into that offense and I think they kind of need a mix of both because we've seen year in year out for the last like three years out of the Bills that 
there is one game where their offense just gets stalled in the playoffs because they take away the kind of Josh Allen one-man offense type of aspect by just covering digs and dealing with his rushing uh, uh, upside. And you need kind of other uh, weapons to be involved, not only in that game, but throughout the year, like guys like James Cook, Dalton Kittengate, et cetera. They need to get them involved. And that doesn't mean go completely away from what you were doing the past few years, but it also doesn't mean to go uh, go away from what they did last week just because it didn't work once. I think that was more on Allen than the scheme, to be quite honest, because I thought with his touches, James Cook did have a decent game. Dalton Kincaid did look good. Even Dawson Knox had somewhat of uh, good involvement. And even despite being guarded by Sauce Gardner, who you could argue is the best corner in the league, definitely top five, uh, Diggs had a very, very good game, and I think they'll continue to go to him a lot. I just think they need a balance here. And when they find that balance with the good Josh Allen, this offense is going to go back to being really, really good. But right now, it was definitely a stinker. Uh, But moving on from one elite offense that had a stinker in this one to another in this Bengals offense. And man, this was brutal to watch as, well, someone who wanted good offense. As a Browns fan, this must have been amazing because this is one of the best defensive clinics I've seen in a while uh, coming against such a good offense. And after an MVP kind of level season uh, or ending to a season for Burrow, I think a lot of people are hoping he'd come into this year with a little bit of momentum after two kind of like weak starts to his seasons the last couple of years. However, he did suffer that calf injury uh, early in camp. It made him miss the rest of camp and preseason uh, for the second offseason in a row. And I think a lot of us were thinking he may come into the season rusty again. And when you combine with the, that with the fact that the Browns do seem to kind of have his number, they do seem to kind of own him, uh, it does lead to what was a very, very rough outing for Burrow. And Probably one of the worst games I've seen him accuracy-wise in a while. Burrow is someone who obviously prides himself on being one of the most accurate, maybe the most accurate quarterback in the league. I'd say probably most accurate. And this guy did leave a lot on the table in terms of passes that could have happened because he was just straight missing. He It was just one of those days, which I've said before for other guys, it was pretty clear he just didn't have his best stuff. And I won't go through all those drops. I'll kind of go through some of the other plays that kind of went wrong in big moments for Burrow in this game. But there were drops or there were plenty of misses that he had all day that definitely will affect how I look at uh, this game. And even if you just look at the box score here, it's probably one of the worst you're seeing out of him. He was 14 for 31, which is disgusting. Only 82 passing yards, no touchdowns, no picks, and two sacks. And you see the no picks, and you uh, you think, oh, it wasn't a case of Burrow giving the ball away. So, like with Lamar, I kind of got to ask again, like, what went wrong? And it was kind of everything. Like, first drive to start, Burrow is able to find Chase in stride for a quick out on the first uh third and nine and gets a first but the drive does quickly come to a close because the very next set of downs on third down we see miles garrett lined over up uh, on the uh, over the center kind of that viral clip we see of miles garrett walking up doing the crossover and he just immediately gets pressure on burrow burrow really has nowhere to go he steps up kind of into a sack and on that play, I would feel I would say there isn't really much he can do. Maybe he could have tried to get the ball rid of the ball somewhere, but 
uh, he had no time, so it kind of was what it was. The following drive, after a couple of good runs, on a third and one, we see they try to throw it to Irv Swift quick in the flat, and Burrow misses a very, very easy throw a bit high. And I will say the ball could have been caught Irv Smith's a tall guy. It did hit him in the hands, but for such a simple, easy throw, it was very uncharacteristic and weird out of Burrow to miss so high, and that obviously results in a uh, drop. Uh, results in a drop forces a punt. Uh, the following drive, after a, bang- a Browns fumble, we see the Bengals have a third and seven inside their own twenty, and we see Burrow hit Boyd on a quick five-yard slant route, and it kind of confused me. Burrow even going there because there was a defender right there. So it wouldn't have even made sense for, to, for Burrow to make that throw because they weren't getting the first. Uh, kind of another kind of poor decision from him that I didn't understand. But it was also a little bit on Boyd because he gets taken down by an ankle tackle, tackle, which just simply isn't acceptable and leads to another punt. Uh, the following drive, we see more of the same. Mixon has a couple of good runs that gets this off to the Browns like, 49 50 yard line but here on a third and three burrow absolutely makes the wrong decision because he has mixed in in the flat for a very easy first which you got to take which when your offense is struggling this much but he tries to go to a covered higgins and coverage from denzel ward and throws a 50 50 ball which i would say already was a bad decision but not only that he delivers it pretty poorly doesn't really give higgins a chance to go up and get it he Puts it on the inside where Higgins clearly had outside leverage and Higgins had a reposition to even get try to get the ball and he just doesn't do it in time. It almost ends up getting tipped for a pick if uh, another defender was there in the right position. So just bad decision and throw from Burrow there uh, given the circumstances of the game to this point. Uh, the following drive, we see another chance to get going before halftime, and I'm not sure what happens on third and eight because Burrow just throws it straight to the sideline with no wide receiver within like a 10-yard vicinity. Clearly a huge miscommunication here. I'm not sure who it was on, but definitely, definitely a huge issue. Uh, after the half, Burrow does have another huge third and six at about midfield. He tries to hit Chase down the sideline once again on a go route, and this time I'd say it was a bit better of a decision because Chase did have a little bit of separation, but he overthrows it by like a couple of yards, and Chase is only able to get like one hand on it before it falls, and they do get bailed out by a lucky pass interference call here, in my opinion, because it didn't really look like he was getting interfered, but Burrow absolutely misses the throw regardless, uh, and it doesn't end up mattering anyways, because on a third and ten in that same drive, Burrow rolls out left, and instead of trying to make a play, kind of what I was talking about with, uh, Purdy a couple of times in the game earlier. It happens a lot with Burrow in this one. He has 10 yards to gain and just checks it down to Irv Smith for five. He wasn't even really pressured, so I would have liked him to try for more. It really seemed like he wasn't interested in playmaking here, or maybe he was still injured. Uh, not sure what it was, but it wasn't great. Uh, and then after a Deshaun Watson pick, uh, Burrow gets the ball back, and we see him pick up a couple of first downs, checking the ball down to Mixon, but you see him tested for the first time for a third and five, and again, he tries to go deep, but this time it made a little bit more sense, and he does deliver a great ball to T. Higgins on a deep fade route, but Delpit just makes an amazing play to defend the ball at the last second before Higgins could grab it. I think if Higgins comes back to the ball a little bit and goes for it instead of waiting, that's likely a catch, so rare mistake here by a receiver rather than Burrow. 
Uh, on a third eight, we see later uh, in his own side of the field, Burrow does step up in the pocket. And once again, with no pressure, we see him just check it down to Irv Smith for three or four yards instead of the eight he needed. And he wasn't under immense pressure. So again, I would have liked him to just go more, do try to do more. And I'm really confused by why he was playing this way. Again, not sure if it was the injury, if it's kind of Brown's defense getting to him, but it was really weird. Uh, early in the fourth, we see on another third and 10, Burrow rolls left and again checks it down to Irv Smith. And seeing the film, he did really have no one else open downfield. So uh, it was maybe the best kind of read. But in this point in the game, you're down a lot. You're going to want to try to make something happen. And for whatever reason, there was just a complete lack of playmaking. Uh, and it almost seemed like he lost his confidence a bit. They do end up going for it here on a fourth and four after, and Burrow probably has one of his worst throws of the day, in my opinion. He has a wide open Higgins over the middle of the field on the left side. Higgins absolutely cooks his corner on an in, but Burrow just doesn't look that way and then abandons the pocket, even though there was a double team on Miles Garrett. And because he abandons it, Miles Garrett is just able to grab him and toss him for a sack and essentially end that drive. Very, very horrible, uncharacteristic play out of him because he's normally very calm and very poised in the pocket. I'd never see Burrow do these sort of things. And that honestly kind of summed up the day for him. Um, that kind of ends his day. And overall, very, very poor performance here. Uh, kind of left a lot on the table. And I'm not really thinking this is going to be a long-term problem for Burrow. Uh, there were a lot of things that went wrong because of the offensive line not being good, because the receivers not getting separation. Uh, but it kind of just seemed like a case of the Browns having his number. They've had his number for a while, and they did it again. I do think he steps up uh, more this weekend against the Ravens. Uh, only time will tell, but yeah, not a good performance here. Yeah, um, I pray for the day that Joe Burrow starts a season on fire rather than stinking it up. Um, Man, really, I'm waiting for that, bro. And also doesn't stink it up against the Browns. Um, I don't have uh, any real takeaways. The rain was a huge issue for him. Um, you saw him changing gloves on his throwing hand, which was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, and then that, at that point, like as a defensive coordinator, you know that like <laughs> if the quarterback is changing his glove, going in and out of the glove, it's, it's, it's pretty much a wrap. He, he, he had no chance um, in terms of accuracy, ball control. It was just totally gone. Um, but yeah, um, that'll wrap up our segment for three up, three down. Um, and it'll bring up our three question segment. So we're going to do these rapid fire. Um, I'll start off with my first question for potty. Um, we're going to try to do these in 30 seconds to a minute each. Um, so for, for me, first one, uh, how will Geno Smith look against the secondary that he shredded last year in the lions? Um, and if you don't think he's, he's going to do well, um, do you think he's sh showing signs of regression to the mean from last year? Uh, yeah, if we're, I'll answer that second part first. I absolutely do. And I think second half of Geno Smith's season last year kind of started to show it. Uh, he's obviously very accurate, does seem to have good anticipation after all these years playing quarterback. But one thing that he just simply isn't built for is the amount of risks he's taking. We're seeing it time and time again here. And for whatever reason, I feel like his reading defenses this year has gotten a lot worse against the Rams defense that 
I really didn't think would be able to keep up with the likes of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, JSN. He just wasn't able to find his guys open time and time again. Uh, I do think it'll look a little bit better versus this Lions defense because the Rams kind of like uh, how the Niners seem to be the Rams every time. The Rams seem to beat Seattle every time. I talked about it last time when we talked, and I thought the Seahawks were going to wipe it, but I said, the Rams always have their numbers, so maybe something happens there. So maybe this was just a fluky game for Seattle. I do see him bouncing back a little bit against a Detroit team with not as good of a secondary. Um, better pass rush, so he will be under pressure a little bit. We've seen him struggle against that. Uh, but I do think he's regressing more to the mean than we saw the elite level of quarterback play last year, and I don't think we ever see that again. And... I don't know how much you're going to love this question, but I think I got to ask it because this is your longtime boy. I know it's unlikely, but what do you think Zach Wilson needs to be successful versus the Cowboys defense this week? Oh, my God. Man. He needs God. That's what he needs. Um, <laughs> as a BYU guy, he, he'll, he'll know how to get there. Dude, like, okay, there's there's no chance here. Like, he, um, against um, the Bills on Monday night, um, threw one of the worst interceptions you'll ever see. Um, I think besides that, he was like, okay. Um, he was making some nice throws of the middle of the field, show some velocity. Um, the accuracy is still pretty bad. He looks better than last year, I would say, but like he has like he has no chance, like no chance at all uh, against this Dallas defense, which is just this is like the best defense in the league, I think. Um, that they have very complete coverage unit with Stefan Gilmore, Trayvon Diggs, elite pass rush. It's it's like they're 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 about to put a big time stomp on the Jets. So he needs God. That's what he needs. Um, <laughs> uh, my next question for you, um, the Patriots put the clamps uh, on Jalen Hurts last week in week one uh, and the Eagles. And um, we're coming off the Thursday night football game where they didn't look explosive again, but um, like the, the Patriots did it to a much better degree than the Vikings. Um, do you think the Patriots defense can do something similar to Tua and Tyreek um, by limiting the explosives? Well, if I had to kind of distinguish between this game and the Eagles game, I would definitely think the Dolphins will perform a lot better than the Eagles did. I think kind of the weather of that game definitely impacted how things went. And once it got to a better weather, the New England's defense looked really, really good. And obviously this will be in presumably better weather. I mean, we never know, but it should be. And I think that does help out this Dolphins team. But I also do think the Dolphins will look a lot worse than they did last last week because I do think this Patriots defense matches up well uh, with the Dolphins, not only with it being a divisional matchup. I think they're more familiar, but I think they have the secondary to match up with a team like this Dolphins team that obviously has elite receivers. I really liked how Christian Gonzalez played in that first week, and I think uh, if anybody can do it, he is one of the people that can maybe keep up with uh, uh, Tyreek Hill. I think with Jalen Waddle being a little banged up, I think guys like Jonathan Jones should be able to kind of keep up with him. Uh, I do think with tighter coverage, that kind of messes with a, a little bit more of what Tua has going on. Uh, he shouldn't put up as many yards. I also just think Bill Belichick is fantastic at taking away your best player and we saw Tyreek Hill absolutely smoke the Chargers defense and I know all week Bill Belichick is going to game plan to make sure Tyreek Hill is getting stopped I expect a much worse game out of Tyreek Hill uh the other guys probably on the team will need to step up 
And if Belichick is able to be successful in that, I do think the uh, Dolphins have a much worse game uh, than we saw last week. But I do think they still perform better than the Eagles because I was really not a huge fan of what the Eagles had going on last week. Uh, and then moving on from that matchup to, I guess, another kind of quarterback we just talked about who needs an kind of a back ba- a bounce back. Uh, what do you think Josh Allen needs to do to bounce back versus this Raiders team this weekend? Oh, he doesn't have to do much. Um, the Raiders defense will <laughs> will uh, bounce back for him. Um, like honestly, just like don't don't get overly excessively stupid. Like the Raiders pass rush is not good, so I don't think they're going to hurry him into any crazy decisions like the Jets were. Um, the Raiders coverage unit is they have no chance against Diggs. Um, I, I, I'm honestly, my expectation for this game is like a fireworks show. I think the Bills could put up a ton of points in this one. Um, yeah, I, I just like, don't, don't lose your mind. <laughs> that's, that's my, um, yeah, I could see a shootout. He definitely should get back on track this weekend. Yeah, I, I would think so as well. All right. My last question. Um, I don't know how to state this except to put it bluntly. Um, do we think Justin Fields is good at football? <laughs> I started laughing early because I had a feeling I knew where we were going with this because of the Justin Fields agenda that kind of started this offseason. Uh, I'm not going to lie. This last week has majorly made it made me question if Justin Fields is good at football. Uh, but I will say the Packers defense does seem to just match up well with this uh Bears offense, especially Justin Fields. Obviously, one of the biggest things we saw Fields tap into last year is kind of the Bears building this offense around him rushing. And I don't know if it's sustainable, but I think they would be able to do it this year. And that Packers front seven just has too much athleticism, just as their linebackers are so good going sideline to sideline that that aspect of Justin Fields' game never opened up. And I'm a firm believer that if Justin Fields isn't impactful in the run game, his passing game just isn't going to open up. He's not good enough at breaking down defenses or even, to be frank, accurate enough to just straight up beat teams from the pocket. And that's what the Packers forced him to do. Maybe that gives a blueprint for the future for other teams to do the same. But I do think not everybody has the personnel of the Packers, has the familiarity with the Bears and Justin Field that the uh, Fields that the Packers do. Uh, they also have great a good secondary that were able to match up with what was supposed to be a better rec- Bears receiving core. Didn't look like it so much this weekend, but I do think guys like Dar- uh, Darnell Mooney and DJ Moore look better. I don't know so much about Chase Claypool. He might be cooked. Uh, but... To answer the question, yes, I do think he's still good at football. Probably not as good as I thought he would be this offseason, but I do think he bounces back this weekend in like a much easier matchup. I believe they play the Buccaneers. Uh, I do think he has a good, a better game there, maybe not good. And I guess going from one rookie quarterback to another couple this weekend, we get a big rookie battle. Uh, who do you think performs the best in that rookie battle we have in Houston? And what do you think both of their games look like, whether it's Anthony Richardson or Stroud? This one's tricky, man, because I think both the – so I think the Texans' offense is pretty horrible and the Colts' defense is, like, kind of okay. And then the flip side is I think the Colts have, like, a real structure on offense and then the Texans' defense looks kind of good. So um, 
yeah, it's a little bit tricky for me to say. Um, if I had to pick, I think I would say that Richardson performs better, but I don't feel good about picking that either way. Um, I think the Texans' defense is really disruptive um, and could force some bad decisions from him. Still very early in his career, obviously. Um, and, yeah, Will Anderson looks like a really good player already. Um, but, yeah, getting back to the point, like, um, I think Richardson could break off some explosives, um, both through the air and on the ground. And, um, yeah, that high-end outcome on a game-to-game basis is uh, something I probably want to bet on, even in this game in a trickier matchup. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't really have uh, a clear leaning um, either way. All right, so that will wrap up our three questions – or, yeah, three-question segment. Um, and the final segment that we're going to do is where I tell you some of the charting stuff that I've been doing um, and what stats stood out from this week. So two guys – that I want to talk about. First one is Mac Jones. Mac Jones looked really good um, in this game from a process standpoint and what I would project for him going uh, forward. Um, seven evaded pressures, three pressures responsible for three early pocket bails, so decent pocket management, um, almost seven uh, average depth of target, um, five drops for 70 air yards. That was the big thing for me. And um, Keishon Boutte didn't get his feet down on two tight window, great throws from uh, uh, for Mac Jones, th- that would have really helped his day. Um, Kendrick Bourne dropped one of his very best passes. It was amazing tight window throw. Um, yeah, just just generally, Patriots offense looks so much better suited for Mac Jones' style of play, um, running more RPOs. I wish they wouldn't run so many passes to Zeke. Um, I wish they would throw more to their receivers. Um, but yeah, th- their use of the RPOs, um, they're pushing the ball over the middle of the field. Mac Jones is taking like deeper drops to set up um, deeper passes down the field. It looks it looks much more like an offense that um, he played in at Alabama, much more suited to his strengths. I was very very much encouraged by this game, um, and yeah, um, he he made a ton of explosive plays in this one. Um, the 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 stat that I wanted to point out really um, three turnover worthy plays, and he still finished with. Um, a points added per play number of points two seven six, which is above average. So if you're putting the ball in harm's way that many times and still finishing above average, you are generating a ton of positives. And that was the most impressive thing for me for this game. Um, and then um, a little bit of unfortunate news. Um, this one is going to be, uh, this part of the show is going to be called the charting chopping block. Um, after one week, I have decided, decided that I am no longer charting Desmond Ritter. Um, I think no. that- <laughs> I just, so he went 15 for 18 in this week one game um and that is just a gross like one of the worst misrepresentations I've ever seen of a box score um Desmond Ritter was horrible in this game he he looked like he did not really belong on a football field it was it was so bad um the first play of the game he has a batted pass um that goes right to him and instead of just knocking it down for no gain he catches it and takes a six yard loss like uh, <laughs> later he has a fumble in the pocket where it's just you really can't um be taking that type of pass um half of his yardage in this game is from a kyle pitts pass where he just throws it to him when he's covered um and just kyle pitts somehow snags it with one hand because he's amazing at football um four sacks in this one where he's just not doing a good job um, managing the pocket at all. So just, I, I don't, um, the goal of my charting is to look for quarterbacks who have potential to be solid to strong starters. And um, yeah, Desmond Ritter will unfortunately no longer be uh, one of those quarterbacks that I look into. 
Damn, that's a shame, man. Yeah, I know. I, I know. You, I know. Hate you to were... see it to what happened to one of my favorite uh, quarterbacks <laughs> in the league, man. Hey, man, we, we ranked this quarterback room number thirty-two in the league going into the year, and uh, <sighs> having to see this well, first game, it's it's probably not the biggest thing. Um, uh, unfortunate news as well. Um, if Sam Howell continues the way he played, uh, especially against a really weak defense, um, if that's how he looks moving forward against uh, stronger defenses, maybe worse, uh, he might be a part of the segment, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, that'll wrap up our yes, show for today. Yeah, I, I know. That'll wrap up our show for today. Make make sure to leave make sure to leave a like, rating, subscribe, do what you need to do on whatever platform that you're listening on. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at pd34 underscore and potty at real or potty two. Uh, make sure to follow and sub to my Patreon because there's stuff coming um, in terms of the charting. I'm going to be making all of my week one charting available by the end of the week before Sunday for sure. Um, and there should be some recaps and, and stuff like that coming for free for people. Who, uh, so, um, yeah, keep a lookout for that. Um, that'll be all from me. That'll be all from Potty. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Yep, peace.